All right, Jacob. Today is Michael Jordan's 59th birthday today. What, what, what do you think about this impact, him being 59 and moving on to 60 next year? Um, you know what I think? I think Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever grace the planet. Uh, I don't think he's changed the game as much as some of these more recent superstars have. Um, but, I mean, he, he, you know, you talk to anyone any older than we are, and they'll talk about watching you know, Michael play when they're growing up. And I wish I could have gotten a little bit of him when I was growing up, but I'm not, I'm not going to complain because I still got my guy Duncan. Yeah, well, I, I think I think maybe moving forward at some point we should uh, bring one of my friends in and discuss of of, who, of who's the best in the NBA. We might have a whole three hour spiel about on, on that. But yeah, I'd love to uh, <laughs> I'd love to bring said said friend in and have a very heated debate on uh, why Michael Jordan is a was a better basketball player. <laughs> well, welcome boys and girls to the Long Brothers podcast. Where today we talk about the Super Bowl recap from Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we got some college football. Harbaugh stays home in Michigan. Um, some NBA and some basketball and some MLB. Just a little bit of absolutely everything today. <clears throat> but to start our show, clearly we are going to jump into talking about Super Bowl Sunday, where the Rams beat the Bengals twenty-three to twenty. In a close game that was back and forth most most of the night. Great halftime entertainment. Jacob probably didn't enjoy it that much. And hey, I really I, I really enjoyed ha- the halftime show. Believe it or not. Oh wow, wow. And from what I believe, I saw. I don't remember. It was like a couple days ago that this was like the high, the fifth most watched televised show in like twenty years or like something like that. You want to know so, why? Tell me why, Jake. I can guess. It was it was the lack of a powerhouse being there. People don't like when teams went over and over again. Brady wasn't in it. You know, we didn't have Mahomes or any of those big powerhouses. We had two. We had two teams <coughs> who kind of weren't supposed to be there, but you could foresee being there. You know, and you have you know people love Matt Stafford, people love Joe Burrow. I just kind of think people watch it because it's a nice little refresher. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's just a year that there was no one this year that like. Except Tom Brady, you have the Tom Brady haters are like, oh, Tom Brady's back, or Patrick Mahomes, or Chiefs, or you know, me and you are just like, oh, we don't really like them. And Grant's been a long time, but you've had those years with Ben, Big, Big Ben, you know, the Packers. You know, I feel there's always been a reason to like just dislike the teams, but like this is one of the years, and I'm pretty sure that's what it said. So I'm kind of curious what the other four above it were, if they were other Super Bowls or not. But like, anyways. This is just – it was a great Super Bowl to watch. It was it was close. A good ending to a NFL playoff that's been amazing. An amazing ending to the playoffs. And like I said, this is the game that everybody wanted. And, Jacob, you can take it away however you want. I mean, I tweeted after the game. Um, that game just came down to the Bengals not being able to block – in the end, I mean, Burrow in the second half didn't have any time to throw the football, and their 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 only successful play of the whole second half was because of a missed offensive pass interference. So I mean, with I mean, like without that, I mean, maybe they score on that possession, maybe they don't, but I mean, they just couldn't get anything going in the second half because they can't, they, they couldn't block. It really it really looked like after that big play and that pick that the game was kind of in their control, but they they just couldn't get anything going on offense, and I mean. It's 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 tough to win a game when your when your offense doesn't score in the second half after that big play. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, the, the, the Bengals had seven sacks allowed compared to the Rams, two. And at the beginning of the year when the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase, everyone's like, you're stupid. Like, you didn't draft an uh, offensive lineman to protect Burrow, which in the long run helped them out to get where they're at, but killed them in the biggest game. That they – and I've seen crazy stats for the past week since the Super Bowl happened of, like, the Bengals being, like, one of the worst, like, you know, um, rushed, you know, QB rushes, sacks, QB pressures, and, like, all this stuff like that. Like, in history, they are – this team is, like, significantly one of the worst teams at blocking for the quarterback, which – is also still very surprising because they made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I mean, and I mean, and I think I, I, I was actually looking at, I mean, um, like offensive line ratings, and I know that PFF. I mean, they're they're kind of the best place to look just in terms of grading, and, and according to PFF, the Bengals had the twentieth ranked offensive line, but that's because their line is actually their better run blockers. Like you said, they can't block they can't block the pass for, for anything. So, I mean, like, I mean, like, they could get Mixon going. I mean, they ran the ball okay. I mean, not great, but I mean, okay enough on on Sunday. But said they just can't pass block. And you know, I mean, I I I I, I saw a couple things, and it, it's kind of true. They made it to the Super Bowl because they drafted Jamar Chase, but they lost the Super Bowl because they didn't draft Penny Sewell. You know? Yeah, no, and that's what <laughs> that's and that's what I'm saying is that like they need like, both. They got. They got here, and they they definitely got here. Jamar Chase is him and Burrow, a uh, dude. I didn't realize this before. I was reading it before Super Bowl started that uh, when Jamar Chase got drafted, he went to Joe Burrow's neighbor and 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 asked him if he could buy his house so he could be neighbors next to Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are neighbors. Those two, those two might play on the Bengals for fifteen years together. And that's the thing, like that, that connection and everything they have like together since being at LSU is crazy and. <clears throat> it's just like like I said, my first like I said I think drafting Jamar Chase definitely gone there, but not having line clearly this year's draft the Bengals focus needs to be getting a line to block for Joe Burrow. Yeah, or because, or free agency they can probably find some. I mean I mean I look at that Bengals team like I said like their defense isn't spectacular, but their defense was was good enough. They shut down they like like they made Mahomes look like um. <laughs> like they made Mahomes look like a backup quarterback the second half of that AFC title game. They held Tennessee to 19 points. You know, they held the Raiders to 17 points. I mean, their defense played really well all playoffs. Like I said, they weren't, you know, amazing, but I mean, they played quite well for the most of the playoffs. And if they can just keep that defense together and they're plenty fine on offense, just, they just can't block. So, I mean, and like I said, and that, that line doesn't need to be good. They weren't good this year and Burrow went off and the receivers went off and Mixon had a great year. Like if they just get, a, they can just make an upgrade at a couple spots on the line. Like, I mean, I could easily see them being back in the Super Bowl. They just need to make a couple little, yeah. like that roster is good enough. Like I said, they, they just need to block, not a lot better, even just like a little bit better. And that game would have been a, would have made a huge difference. They could have given up four sacks and probably won. And four sacks is still a lot in a game. They just can't give up seven. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. Um, <clears throat> honestly, and the biggest thing, too, about the Bengals is that, like, I, I give a lot of credit to why uh, the Rams won was Aaron Donald had himself a fourth quarter. That dude was everywhere. Like, he, I think, that, like, first half, they kind of shut Aaron Donald down. Like, he didn't really do much at all. But that second half, and that especially the fourth quarter, like, there's some big plays. Also, 
we talk about this line. I'm sure everybody and you saw that on that last play, that, that fourth down that Joe Burrow got sacked on, Jamar Chase was wide open and torched Jalen Ramsey. And if Joe Burrow has two more seconds, he makes that throw, and we're probably talking about a different game right now. I don't know if you've seen that picture. I, I, I have. Um, I mean, it's like – it's one of those things where, like, when they took the picture, like, Joe Burrow was already kind of falling down. So, I mean, maybe Jalen Ramsey was, was, was doing something weird. But, yeah, I mean, Chase had him burnt if he had a second or two more. No, and that's what I'm saying. But uh, but besides all this, it was a very even game. Total yards were about dead even passing, rushing. I mean, first downs are about the exact same plays. Literally, the time of possession – was like a difference of like 50 seconds. Like th- this was a, a very even game that came down to the end. But my God, like I said, from the start of the playoffs, I was more or less rooting for the Rams because my boy Matt Stafford won himself a Super Bowl, which rightfully so. I'm so happy for that guy. <clears throat> Honestly, I'm happy for about everybody. The Aaron Donald, who he, he came out and said, like, if they won, he might end up retiring. Like, they have some old vets on that team and stuff like that. OBJ is kind of getting older too now. I know he's still pretty good. I mean, <clears throat> before his injury, he was dominating that game. Um, I'm just happy. I'm honestly, I, I'm happy for him. If this game got, if this exact same game happened next year, I'd be rooting for the Bengals for sure. But this year, Matt Stafford won himself a Super Bowl, and that's all I wanted. And and you know, I mean, we we talk about Aaron Donald, and and remember how you know last week we talked or two weeks ago we talked about how the Bengals. You know the Bengals make second half adjustment of only bringing three against uh, the the Chiefs made the difference. What made the difference in the second half with uh, the with with the Rams defense was changing their was changing their was changing their scheme up front. Um, so I'm sure you saw you know if you're watching it and they kept showing replays. I mean they were using their center all the time to chip you know you know to double to double Donald on the passes. I mean and that kept him under control. So what they started to do was they were starting to walk up five guys and then they would overload a side and they drop someone off an edge. Like they dropped Von Miller back into coverage and that left Aaron Donald one-on-one and we saw when left one-on-one, no one could block him. So, I mean, the the Rams made a great defensive adjustment going going into the half to do a little bit of scheming things to get Aaron Donald some one-on-ones. Because, I mean, regardless of who he is, Aaron Donald's not going to get any sacks if he's getting double-teamed every play because you're because you're just bringing four guys straight and the center's available to help. So they did a great job of taking away that center help. I mean, and, and you heard the announcer saying all game, you know, they'd overload a side, but they'd also overload a side. And um, what they would do, I mean, and, and on, a couple, on a couple of those other sacks, what they would do is they'd overload a side, drop a guy on, on, on the backside, so they double Aaron Donald, or actually triple Aaron Donald on accident because they drop a guy, then they'd, be, they'd bring three on two on the back. So they did a really good job of, of, of scheming, and, you know, from, from, from what I've seen. Which you know, big props to the defensive yeah. coordinator there for figuring that out. I mean, that like that stuff you know, regular dudes like me and you would never figure out in a million years. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. And like I said, Aaron Donald's not gonna—he's gonna win a lot of one-on-one. He's—I mean, I saw some crazy thing about defensive um, player like efficiency or something like that in the past like ten years, and like Aaron Donald's been like number one in like defense efficiency or like rushing the quarterback. I don't remember the stat is, and I—I I feel stupid for not knowing it right but like ever since he's been drafted he's been like number one in like this category for like defense efficiency or i'm pretty sure that's what it is like 
every single year since he's been drafted, which is nuts. It's, that guy's that guy's a dude, and I think he was a big part to why they end up winning winning that game. Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument that he probably could have, should have gotten the MVP, but I mean, Cup had a really good fourth quarter as well. So I mean, if either one of those two guys would have won MVP, I would I, I I wouldn't have complained and. I'm not upset Cup got it, but yeah, you know you can make a you can make a pretty solid argument that you know Aaron Donald maybe deserved it. But I also saw that they vote on the Super Bowl MVP before the two minute warning, so in the most important two minutes of the game, not even taken into consideration, which is kind of dumb. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like I said, either way, I still if it was my vote, I would have voted for Cooper Cup. I mean, that guy just had himself a game, and yeah, I don't know. Made my Apple look foolish. Honestly, stupid Ohio was... State grad. Yeah, he'll come back stronger. <laughs> um, minus the second half, the start of second half, I thought the Rams were in control most of that game. Minus, like I said, that missed pass interference call, which is a tough call for the refs to make or whatnot. I understand that. And then, you know, a interception and whatnot. Like, I, I, even though it was a close game, I still feel like minus that third quarter, I feel like the Rams are in control of most of the game. Yeah, I mean, said I mean they were in control, but they definitely weren't ever dominating at any point. You know, I mean, I think they were up fourteen to three at one point. I think, but I mean, the Bengals came back and scored the next possession, so it was never really a point where it got out of hand. I mean, I think I think the most in control I ever felt the team was. It really felt like the Bengals had control of that game. Like I said at the at the beginning of the third quarter, when they went they they went into the third quarter down, and within forty five seconds they were up and had the ball back. It was like, oh, this game is starting to get out of hand. I mean, like, if they get a touchdown here, it's over. But like I said, I mean, they couldn't – they had that essentially one lucky play, and then after that, like I said, they just couldn't – they couldn't figure out how to deal with Aaron Donald because the scheme was so good. And and the Bengals didn't have a single guy on the – you know, on either side of the ball who could block him one-on-one. Yeah, I know. And, by the way, it was 13-3 to because that whole botch. Oh, yeah, um, that's right, because Hecker – just dropped the ball, which was, and that that could have came into play, like on that last, uh, like on that last possession. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it. Like field goal could have tied it, you know, as opposed to having to score a touchdown. So I mean, that that could, I mean, it didn't. So I mean, which I mean, I can't believe a seasoned guy like Hecker would would botch a snap like that in, in the Super Bowl. That's crazy to me. Cause, I mean, he's been, I mean, he's been doing it for like ten years, and he's and he's great at his job. Yeah, no, it, it. Yeah, pressure happens, and you know mistakes are going to happen. You're not going to be perfect all the time, but yeah, I don't know. I just and those honestly, Aaron Donald and some big penalty calls on the Bengals in that final drive of the Rams killed them. Yeah, I mean, I mean they gave the Ram, they gave the Rams a couple more plays, and on honestly, what that one pass interference is third down or something or second down yeah, they... I mean, it was it was third down when they called that real soft hold i mean and a lot of people are you know like well they deserved it because you know the refs missed that really big you know that that that, that obvious and people calling that an obvious offensive pass interference have never refed a game in their lives i mean we have the benefit of, of three angles in slow-mo like they showed that play one time like in live speed from like in a um, from from I can't remember the angle and I'm like I wouldn't have been able to tell because I mean it just kind of looked like his helmet got snapped around a little bit and tripped like live yeah no that's and the, the ref was 15 ref. yards behind him because the refs are slow <laughs> well, that's the thing about that's the one thing about refs and everyone complaining about it stuff like that's like plays are gonna get missed whatnot people might be like oh that play is soft and like 
I don't. I don't think the refs were at the time. I think we're gonna get do a makeup call here. Like, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't soft. like an intentional makeup call. But I mean, my biggest problem with that flag at, um, at the end of the game was they had been really consistent all game of kind of letting letting the ticky tack stuff go. I mean, I mean, like they they missed one in the in the first quarter where um, Jalen Ramsey was clearly pulling on uh, T Higgins jersey, and I I don't really care that they didn't call that one. Like you'd, you'd like to see it, but not a big deal. As long as they're not going to call it a game, and they hadn't been calling stuff like that all game, and then they decide with, you know, with with literally two plays left, because I mean, if the if the Rams don't get that third down and they fail on fourth down, I mean, the Bengals just win. So I mean, with essentially two plays left in the game, they decide to start officiating. Like I, I didn't like that part of it. I I have no problem with it. it. It's the moment of the game. That's I mean, we've we've seen game. It's, it's refing, you know. Yeah. They might have been not calling little ticky tack stuff. I mean, at that time, that's what the ref called. That's part of the game. And like I said, we could little ticky tack when we can look back and say too, like, I understand it was 15 yards back, but we could literally say that the reason why the Bengals took over that second half was because of a missed pass interference call. Yeah. That should have been called. I mean, uh, I'm just, I, I have no problem with either one of them. Any, I'm, I'm fine with them anyone, not calling that. You know, anyone who is out there blaming the refs as a Bengals fan is crazy. It doesn't, I mean, like I said, I mean, refs miss calls all the time. You kind of just have to deal with it. Um, and I know, and I know if the Rams would have lost that Rams Twitter would have been crying for years about how they missed that, about how they missed that obvious offensive pass interference while they made it to a Super Bowl because of a Bosch pass interference call, which is hilarious. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> but like I said, I'm just happy for my man. Matthew Stafford for winning a Super Bowl, which also brings me to a point. I think we'll move on from the Super Bowl. I think we've touched on it enough is that there's been a lot of talk out there with Richard Sherman, your old boy from Seattle. I love him. What just started a lot of stuff about is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? And with his all time in Detroit, his first year at the Rams, he comes out and wins a Super Bowl. I mean, Richard Sherman's argument is he's never been like in uh, never been all pro or was it pro bowl, whatever. Whichever one, I can't remember which one it was, but probably all pro. It was and both. Like, he's, never been, he's never been all pro, and I don't, and I think he's only been to maybe one Pro Bowl. So, like, putting all these stats out there, like, he's not a Hall of Famer. Is he a Hall of Famer, Jacob? Okay, so it depends. In in my world, no, but at the current Hall of Fame standard, like, yes. I mean, I saw this year's class, I didn't recognize a single name. They let in like ten dudes, and I didn't recognize a single guy on the Hall of Fame list this year. Like they're like as long as you are pretty good, they're kind of letting you win. So I mean, at, at the current Hall of Fame standards, I would say he is a Hall of Famer. But like in my world, I just don't really think that he he is yet. I mean, he still has he still has six years left. If he continues to play really well, maybe wins another Super Bowl. I mean, my big thing is I don't really give a crap about Pro Bowls because that's a popularity contest. But, like, All-Pro is a big thing. And if he's ever been an All-Pro, that means he's never been a top three player in his position ever in a single year, which that kind of says something, you know? Like, he he never played on the level of, for sure, Hall of Famers like Brady, Breeze, you know, Manning, any of those guys. And if if you can't be one of the best in your position in any given year, I mean, can you really say that you should deserve to be a Hall of Famer? I mean, maybe not, but, I mean, if he can sustain you know, his stats, I mean, at, I mean, at his current pace, he could easily, if he plays long enough, you know, be a top two, three in yards and touchdowns ever. And with the Super Bowl, I mean, I don't think he had to win a Super Bowl to justify his, you know, his, his career. Cause 
I'm a big Matt Stafford defender, as you know. I mean, I, I say all the time that he's probably the most underrated player of our generation, but that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer yet. Yet. I think he could be, but as, as, as we sit right now, I, I'd say no. I mean, we talked about this when we talked about that. Barry Bonds not making it. My my standards for Hall of Fame is very high. Like, I don't think there should be as much people in the, in the Hall of Fame as there is. Baseball, NBA, NFL, no matter what you talk about. So, yeah, in my standards of what, what I think Hall of Fame is, no, Matt Stafford should not be. But all the players that we – that the Hall of Fame lets in and stuff like that for – um you know, whatever, to get in the Hall of Fame, yeah, I, I think he should. Because, like, it's that's just a thing, is that the Hall of Fame isn't, I, and I feel like, in my opinion, the Hall of Fame should be the best of the very best. <clears throat> in my opinion, do I think that, you know, Matt Stafford is? No, I think since he won a Super Bowl, yeah, you can maybe start considering him more for it. Not saying you should, but, like, <laughs> I was I looked at this up actually earlier today. There's like there's 27 quarterbacks in like the Hall of Fame, and I read some of these dudes. I'm just like, how how in the hell like are some of these dudes like I, I would put Matt Stafford over a lot of these dudes that are in you know the Hall of Fame. I mean Stafford's already top ten all time in yards. Like any I mean any and and they said and he, he he could have six seven. Maybe like eight seasons left to go. I mean, he's only thirty three or thirty four. Yeah, I know. Well, and for example, like, I mean, there, there's just, there's just like I said, and there's just a lot of quarterbacks out there in the Hall of Fame already. I'm just like Matt Stafford's better. So if we're putting these quarterbacks in, I understand All Pro, whatever. He's definitely better than you know the rest of them or some of them. I mean, you have. Someone like Jim Kelly, who was the Buffalo's quarterback when, you know, they made the three straight quarter Super Bowls and lost. He never won an MVP or anything like that. Like, I, I highly doubt he even had that much. And for what I know right now, he actually, um, Matt Stafford has more yards than him. But Jim Kelly, that's probably why he made it, made it into Hall of Fame. He led the, the Bills to four Super Bowls and lost all four of them. So, you know, honestly, that should immediately disqualify you from the Hall of Fame. Like, if you make four Super Bowls and you can't win one, that just means you're a choker. Well, that's my point is that, like, <laughs> by NFL standards, Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer. My standards, no, because I think a lot of these people that are in there, like, like you asked me, like, just quarterbacks, there's like I said, there's 27 of them right now. If you ask me right now, clearly there'll be more. There should be like five quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame right now. I I would say I, guys like Dan Marino, John Elway, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, like maybe Steve Young, but I don't really know if he was statistically that good. I'm saying Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, John Elway, Dan Marino. I'd probably say Brett Favre. For, yeah, for for sure, Brett Favre. I mean, then you like, but those are like, like those I think quarterbacks like of our generation, the last twenty years, who deserve to be Hall of Famers. I'd, I'd say Manning, Brady, and probably Breeze. I definitely wouldn't have Roethlisberger, um, you know, the other Manning, Philip Rivers. I, I wouldn't have any of those guys in there. Well, see, that's why the standards for the Hall of Fame, I feel like, need to be a lot higher, in my opinion, because we're just letting Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Roethlisberger's Manning. for sure going to be a Hall of Famer, and he shouldn't be. And Manning, I don't know about him. He definitely shouldn't be, but he might. Like I said, just, just, just based on the standards. 
and, and mostly just because he beat Brady twice. I mean, his, statistically, he was kind of <clears throat> just another above-average quarterback. Well, that's the thing. That's the only reason why Manning's getting considered is he beat Brady twice, and which is, yeah, impressive. But, like, that's the thing. From standards-wise, yes, I, I think Matt Stafford should be. I just don't understand that, like, in my opinion, there should be only five, six quarterbacks right now in actually the Hall of Fame, and the rest of them should not. Like I said, it should be. But the thing is, when these guys got inducted, you know, when these players that played in 1957, then when they got inducted in, you know, 80, they probably looking back and they probably were the best of the best. So, I mean, I can't guess say much about it, but like. I mean, that's, I, why, I was, that's why the I, Hall of Fame I, I, is about being great in your era and not really great, you know, like of, of, of all time. Because well, errors are different. I, well, okay. I, I'm just saying that I understand you definitely can't do this, but like, I wish there was just some rule there. He's like, you know, you can be uninducted from the Hall of Fame. We'll just take you out because clearly as time moves on, you were not better than these guys. Like, I think we should just – I don't That's my opinion. Maybe we need but, like a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame for like the yeah, I mean, top echelon. No, I mean, that would definitely be something. Because, I mean, I've been – I went to the NFL Hall of Fame last year and – you see all these pictures, you know, the gold statues or whatnot of their heads, and of dudes you see all probably them. never heard of before. Oh no, I can't. I can't keep it. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up this year's Hall of Fame class, and I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I didn't recognize a single name, and I mean, what? You know, disclaimer: I'm not the biggest football follower like of all time, so like it wouldn't surprise me if some of these guys were all time greats, and I just didn't realize it. But like. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing. I think everyone in the Hall of Fame, I probably there's probably 75% of them I actually don't know who they actually are. Okay, let's And maybe that's just because I'm uncultured and I'm not a like the biggest NFL fan ever, but like I just I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm like I just want to I just want to read like this list off and just Okay, here we are. Okay, this isn't this is as close to the list as I'm gonna find. Okay, Leroy Butler. That name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you what position he played. No, me neither. Um, Bryant Young, same. Like the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you what position he played. Sam Mills, definitely never heard of Sam Mills. Cliff Branch, not a clue. Richard Seymour, I do know Richard Seymour. Well, you gotta know that man, but for the Patriots. Yeah, and I don't really know if he was a Hall of Famer or not. I mean, maybe. I mean, this article says he was a three-time first-team All-Pro and won three Super Bowls. So, I mean, yeah, maybe. Like I said, I mean, I didn't grow up. I mean, I mean, I grew up with him, but I didn't. You know, I I couldn't appreciate his you know his greatness growing up. Art McNally, no idea. Tony Baselli, no idea, and then Dick Vermeil, no idea. Yeah, I. Okay, Leroy Butler, four-time first-team All-Pro, one-time champion with the Packers in 1990. Okay, that's probably why I don't know who he is. Like, Sam Mills, one-time All-Pro linebacker. With, with the 22nd most tackles in NFL history. Like, why is he in the Hall of Fame? Like, I just, like, I just, I mean, that's my problem with this is, like, I just think the standards for the Hall of Fame are, are, just, are just getting a little too low. No, and that's, that's what I, I'm not, not in disagreement with you, Jacob. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Matt, for Matt Stafford, that's all I'm talking about now. Matt Stafford, yes, I, for NFL standards, he should be in 
Because like I said, too, who knows what would have happened if he wasn't playing for the Lions. You know, he could have had a completely difficult career if he's been playing for the Rams or the Packers or something his whole life. You know, we could be looking at him a lot different right now. But he played for the Lions most of his career. Yeah, and, which, you know, that you know we should, we should take his stats and adjust them, you know, by a certain factor just because the play on the Lions was a curse. Granted, granted, he got, you know, in my opinion, if you would have played – his whole career, maybe the best wide receiver ever. So I mean, and 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 he definitely gets discredited for that, which I don't think is fair because outside of him, he had like what Eric Ebron. Like he didn't have any, he didn't have any other talent on offense outside of Megatron all those years. Yeah, no, not really. That's for sure. But well, we better keep it going along here. Um, so next thing, moving on. Whatever, whatever. Jake and I both think that Matt Stafford shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But by standards, he should be. But besides that, I think we should move on to the fact that Jim Harbaugh comes back to Michigan and signs an extension to stay with them through 2026. He was considered for the Vikings job. I feel like me and you both, maybe me especially, thought he was actually going to take that job. And didn't. Comes back to Michigan after a great season, leading him to the college football playoff. And I don't know, Jacob, you're, you being the Michigan fan, I mean, are, do you, you enjoy – I'm assuming you're very happy of him coming back. But do you actually foresee him – I don't understand they extended him. Do you foresee him actually staying with Michigan through 2026? Or do you think that was just more of a, of a play to show that he's committed to Michigan until he leaves in, you know, two, three years to go back to the NFL. I'm going to say yes, that he'll be around. I think if he was going to leave for the NFL, this was the year to do it. And I think he knew that. And from what I've seen with his talks with the athletic director and granted, I mean, he's going to say this, but I mean, I think he's being pretty genuine when he, when he told, he told their athletic director that this was, that this was the year and that he's, he's that, that he'll be at Michigan as long as they want him. So you know, they worked out, I mean, he, he was already through contract through 2025, so extension's only one year, but they gave him that one-year extension, and they upped his, his base pays now up to about $7.5 million. They cut it down to like 4 or $5 um, earlier, which was heavy in incentive, so this year he made a good chunk of money. Um, you know, I'm glad to have him back. I just wanted to throw this in here because I'm a Michigan guy, so... Um, I just I thought I thought it was worth highlighting because of the just the massive um, roller coaster that's going out Michigan coaching because Michigan Michigan almost lost all three of their coaches this year because their defensive coordinator is now the defensive coordinator uh, for the for the Ravens it, that's kind of funny because he he borrowed him from from John this year from the Ravens and then John hired him back as the defensive coordinator after a year so they had to find a new defensive coordinator. After this Harbaugh stuff went down, their offense coordinator quit and went to go coach at Miami College with um, Cristobal. So they, now they had to find another offensive coordinator. And if and if they would have lost Harbaugh, they would have replaced all three of their major coaches in one cycle, which would have been a nightmare and probably a disaster. So I'm kind of glad at least Harbaugh's around to you know keep things going, moving in the right direction. Hopefully they can put together a good season next year. Yeah, no, I know. I don't know. I under, I just don't think the Vikings were, and I know at the time I was just like, yeah, I was like, I think the Vikings are a good fit for him, you know, whatever, whatever. I, I feel like Harbaugh, I could see him leaving in the next two years. I feel like if there's some job that looks very appealing, like say say next year or something, the 49ers, I mean, who knows if 49ers are hiring back, but like 
they 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 fire the coach and you know a very promising team. I feel like he's just looking. I think he'll get back in the NFL once an opportunity, like a great opportunity, comes about for him. Like like I said, the Vikings. Yeah, I think they've had their. They could have a chance. They're a good team. You know, definitely needed an offensive-minded guy to come in and start coaching. But I, I more or less, I think he'll leave one opportunity there. Will it be next year? I don't know. Will it be two years from now? I don't know. But I think once the opportunity arises where Harbaugh thinks it's the perfect situation for him, I think he will leave. For your sake as a Michigan fan, I hope he stays for you, Jacob. Because I, he's definitely turned that program around, and I understand the first couple of years there, he, everyone's probably like, "Fire Harbaugh, fire Harbaugh, we suck, we can't even beat Ohio State." And <clears throat> part of my thought is, you know, hopefully Harbaugh, for my sake, doesn't do it, but hopefully for Michigan fans, he comes out and does the same thing for another four, at least, at least in the next four years, does it. You know, twice where he makes the college football playoff and you know at least beats Ohio State two of the next four years. You know, because I could I can ride the high from this year's playoffs for about ten years, honestly. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm sure you can too, and I'm sure a lot of people. Not that I don't want to make it next year. Had a but... long time, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they beat Ohio State this year. I mean, that was the first time in a very long time. Like, well, I, I feel like. Michigan fans and Michigan people are just like, you know, we'd be in last year's like, it's, it's, it's turning around now. It's turning around. Like we're going to start winning every single time. And I don't foresee that happening. I think it, it can be a more competitive rivalry now. I do think it, it will be. And I, I'm like, I said, I'm an Ohio state fan. So I'm a little selfish, but like recruiting goes a little bit better our way lately. And that'll turn for Michigan once they, you know, make the playoffs a couple more times, stuff like that. But I don't think it's going to be as dominant as, especially Harbaugh's there where Ohio State will win 12 the next years. You know, it might be like, you know, five, seven of the next 12 or something. You know, it'll be split, but I think Ohio State will win most of them. But, but you know you know what I'm saying is that Harbaugh had one really good year. I, I hope that for him and Michigan fans, which I hate to say, they, they keep on having good years and they keep him because he's a good coach there and Michigan definitely needs to keep him as long as they can. I would agree he's a that. Michigan guy, like you like like you said. He's a Michigan guy. So Michigan should always have a Michigan man at the helm, and he's a Michigan man. And like you said, and like you said, like I just I think that's the best coach right now. I don't know who else they could find that'd be better than Harbaugh there. And, yeah, right now, no. I mean, if he was gonna leave, if it, if they could have gotten on the Brent Venables train, or I mean, there was a lot of good coaches available in December. Not anymore. So. That would have been a nightmare. So I'm, I'm I'm glad he's I'm glad he's sticking around. And the thing is too, and you know, if the college football playoff does change and they expand teams, Michigan would be one of those teams that could easily be considered every single year to get in to the playoff. And if that's the case, as long as they're in the playoff every year, it'd be one of those things that you know he probably won't leave because if as long as he makes the playoffs every year as a Michigan coach, he's going to stay. Yeah, so make the playoffs win a game or two here and there. And... For my sake, I hope Harbaugh sucks and absolutely. <laughs> Just tanks the next three years, but for right now, I think he's a good coach, and Michigan should be happy that he's that he's staying. Agreed. I think this is probably a good point for us to move into some basketball, and I have a question for you. We discussed this for the podcast, but um, it was kind of funny because your 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 today in sports is uh, 
is kind of a lead in to my to my to, to, to my to my basketball question for you today is Michael Jordan turns 59 today. What age do you think Michael Jordan would have to be for you to beat him in a game of one on one? Oh jeez. <clears throat> He's 59 right now. And let's assume and let's assume that you're going to stay the same age as as he ages. Like you right now, what age would Michael Jordan have to be for you to beat him at a game of one on one? And this is fair. Me staying the same age, that's a good point because right now, I'm not going to lie, I haven't played a lot of basketball, but like I play around, I played intramurals the past couple of years. I feel like right now I am in my prime when it comes to basketball, which is definitely not saying like I'm really good at basketball. I am not, but I'm saying compared to what I was in high school, you know, everyone, you know, the, the early 20, like, you know, 22, 23, 24, that's like the prime for everybody of their athletic life. So. I feel like I'm in my prime right now. If I stay in my prime like I am right now, geez, I don't know. I'd have to say 70. I think Michael Jordan would have to be 70. But I feel like 11 years from now, he'll be he'll, – I feel like he'll still be able to shoot and score a lot for sure. But I'd definitely be quicker and more athletic to just score and, you know, whatever. I'd, I'd say 70. 70 would be my number. I was not expecting you to ask me that question. <laughs> I just saw someone, someone, someone said that on on Twitter today. They're like, "Today, Michael Jordan turns fifty nine. What age do you think you would need to be to beat him at one on one?" And he said, and he, and he said, "I think I could beat him three years after he died." <laughs> <laughs> like I said, right now, that man is still he's he's sixty, and I like to think that I'm athletic enough to just be young. I'm that much younger and athletic that I could beat him. But man, I guarantee that dude. I could be up in his face at 59. I guarantee he's still hitting every shot in front of me. And so, you know, he could probably <laughs> still dunk. Dunk and he could probably still dribble and like, I definitely would not be picking this man's pocket. See, at 70, I think he'd be slow enough for me to be like, all right, like. I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, I, I have no idea how good he is now. I would like to think that Michael Jordan go to the NBA today and average like seven points a game. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you but. know, I'm just, just so, I mean, I just, I just like to think that. I have no idea if, if, if he would or not, but I just thought that was such a funny question because it's like, yeah, I, I like, I wonder. Because it's like, I look at Bill Russell right now, and I'm like, I could probably beat Bill Russell to give a basketball. Like, he's still seven feet tall, but the dude can barely move. Well, that's the thing. I feel like once he gets older, Michael Jordan can't. I'm sure at 70, he's clearly not shooting as well, but I guarantee that man can still shoot, but I think he'd just be slower and stuff like that. I don't know, what age are you saying? I, I think 70. I think 11 years from now, because I feel like five years from now, like Michael Jordan's still in pretty good shape right now, in my opinion, when I see him. And like, I've seen videos of him shooting at his old age still and like still hitting shots every now and then on Twitter. I mean, what age are you saying? I don't know. Uh, I mean, like my, my big problem with him, uh, I mean, with that is I would have to be significantly quicker than he is because I have to remember that he's six, six. And that I'm is, that and, is also true. And I'm five eleven, so like the dude has seven inches plus wingspan on me. So like unless I was significantly quicker, and he can still shoot over top of me, so I also have to be stronger than him so he can't just back me down close. So it's like I'm just trying to think of like at what point when I would be when when I would literally just be, be would just be a, like physically better than he is in terms of quickness and just strength. And like I said, like at least seventy for for me, just because I'm smaller than you and and not and you know and not quite as fast. I you know I I think I'd say when Jordan was like seventy five, I could probably beat him in a game of one on one. And see, I'm saying seventy as being like 
like I'm just being cautious for myself. I, I truly believe I think it maybe be sixty five. Because I feel like in six years that guy's got it, like, you know, whatever, whatever. But I'm just being cautious, just saying seventy. I mean I mean I, like said, I mean I mean like my biggest problem is just how big he is, you know? And like like they said, like I'm pretty sure like today he could still dunk. Maybe not like easily dunk, but like I'm pretty sure he could definitely still like yam one down if you know if he stretched and got warm. Oh yeah. So it's like if he can still get up to the rim, and like I used to be able to nick the bottom of the rim when I was in high school, and I can't jump as high as I used to. So like, I mean, I think I'd have to wait at least ten to fifteen years before I could probably beat him in a game of one on one. Because like if I played him today, I'd lose eleven to zero, no doubt. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I... just because oh, I'm so small, I'm five eleven. If that, like, I I don't I don't want I don't want I don't want to take on a, the six six goat. Uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you there, but no, it was an interesting question. Yeah, it was a, but it, I I thought it'd be a fun way to you know you know lead us into some basketball. But I can I can do I can do a, my quick little my quick little college b ball recap here. Yeah, hit us with hit us with the call. What's happening with college basketball? So I don't have any games to break down today because I haven't watched any in the last week or two. But I I do have just some notable some notable things for you know the people to keep track of. Um, that's just happened since Monday, you know, number, you know, t- Tennessee took down Kentucky on Tuesday. That's its number 16, you know, upsetting number four. So that's a big win for Tennessee that helped their seeding a lot. And, you know, stinks for Kentucky to lose like that, you know, a big 10 point, you know, loss. Uh, we had, we had a little bit of a, uh, you know, a mid-major uh, matchup here with Villanova playing Providence on Tuesday as well. That's number 10 versus number eight. Villanova went into Providence's house and got the W. Penn State upset Michigan State on Tuesday as well. And on Tuesday also, Tuesday was a big basketball day, New Mexico, who was under 500, took down number 22 Wyoming. So Wyoming's definitely going to be falling out of the polls after this week. We had Texas Tech completing the season sweep of Baylor after a 10-point home victory. They beat them earlier this year when Baylor was, I believe, number one or two or three on the road. I think Texas Tech is better than that seed. I've seen them play a couple times here, and they always compete. So, I mean, I, 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 got, I got big hopes in Texas Tech. And then Rutgers, this is the biggest story on the college basketball um, subreddit, is the unranked Rutgers have now beat four straight ranked opponents in four straight games. There's, there's no gap. They played four straight ranked teams. They beat them all after an 11-point victory over number 11, Illinois, yesterday. So Rutgers might jump into the top 25 and be ranked like number 80 in like the, you know, the fancy metrics ratings just because they've been beating all these ranked teams. The AP poll is going to give them some love. So that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. But that's that's kind of the main stuff that's happened this week. Um, on top of you know, just other bracketology stuff. But that, that that's kind of the major results. Hmm. Well, see, I'm glad you're keeping me updated too, because with all this girls basketball we're coming to the end of it, I haven't really been keeping up with stuff. I've been watching a lot of film and stuff lately, so. <clears throat> Glad you can hit us with that recap and the fact that you did not um, totally crap on Bill Walton today. Ah, oh, don't get me. You know, I haven't I haven't heard him do a game. No, you need since. to stop. You need, well, you need I to stop talking right now. You know, and I'm I... glad I'm glad I'm glad that the games I've watched haven't included Bill Walton doing. Uh, I'm doing the color because <laughs> we must not be watching Pac-12 games then. Because I haven't seen. Well, the... I, I well, I wanted to watch the UCLA Arizona rematch, but I, I didn't get a chance to watch that one, but. Yeah, well, you don't come on here ever again, crapping on my my boy Bill you, Walton. You, you know, I will, I will, I will gladly hop on this podcast and slander Bill Walton any day of the week. And I will always 
come out here and absolutely Bill, roast you about Bill Walton. Bill Walton is to me like LeBron James is to Skip Bayless. I'm just here to slander him 24 seven. What is... I I can't. <laughs> I I'm I'm more. I will always. I love them. My boy Bill Walton. If you ever if you ever just crap on that man, like <laughs> I mean he. He is the love of my life when it comes to to college basketball announcers and like commentators. Like, oh god, I love him so much. But, anyways, moving forward, thank you for uh, telling us all about it. Hopefully, next week, once uh, my season's over, I'll stay more on topic, especially moving into uh, March Madness coming in here. I'll hop on more about what's more or less going on, but. Moving forward now, we move into the MLB as our last topic, that the MLB, the National League, moves into a, the MLB co- completely as a universal DH going effect in 2022, meaning that every single team, every single game will have a DH. We'll no longer have pitcher comes out there and hits the ball and, and whatnot. And I... I I'll, I'll talk about it after I hear what you say, think about this, Jake. Because I honestly don't know how. I feel this is one. This is one topic me and you haven't really actually talked. We've talked about a lot about sports with between each other, but I feel this is not one we've actually fully talked about. So I'm kind of curious what you think about a universal DH. I am a baseball traditionalist, so I I liked when the pitchers had to hit. So I'm kind of disappointed to see this, but I understand why. It's not entertaining to watch pitchers hit bat 150 and strike out 80% of the time at the back end of the lineup, but pitchers who rake are so awesome. Because of the universal DH, we'll no longer have people like Bartolo Colon hitting their first home run at the age of 42 at 300 pounds. I still think think Bartolo Colon hitting that home run might be like a top five MLB moment ever. That was was awesome. I, I love I love pitchers who rake. I'm kind of sad to see it go because I like to watch you know pitchers like Degrom can hit, Grinky could always hit, Carlos Zambrano. They used Carlos Zambrano as a pinch hitter a couple times back in his days with the Cubs. Like I love these guys that can hit the pitchers that can hit. I think it you know it's it's kind of interesting. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little upset to see it go, but I'm I'm not that's not a hill I'm gonna die on either. So so it goes. Out of all the out of all the pitchers you're saying who could hit, I can't believe the one person you didn't think of right away is Shohei Otani. Well, I you mean, know, you know, he's the, still he's still know. gonna hit though, because I mean, because I mean, the DH is optional. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying, out of all pitchers, I mean, that that man, because think about the Angels. You know, the good thing is that when they went, you know, when they played, especially with the DH, is that you can have him when he's pitching, pitch, and then you can throw another DH out there. It was probably more, it was probably better for them when they got in those situations. Rather than clearly, I guess I don't know what the, you know, I don't know. I, I love it because in my opinion, and you know, this is why baseball is, I feel like probably turning to this is the big thing is that a lot of people nowadays are thinking that baseball is getting boring and I, we're seeing a lot of home runs now and, you know, I don't know, you have these players that are hitting bombs after bombs. You have teams that just hit home runs. And, for example, i say the Yankees. There's a team that hit home runs. They have a lot of players that can hit bombs. But besides that, I don't think they do, like, the little things of just, you know, putting runners on bases. And you might disagree with me, and I'm not much one to know completely what's happening in the MLB and be all for it. But, like, I think MLB's goal right now is try to make it 
more viewable and make it more fun for the fans and people watching. And I think this is a way to do it is to take out these pitchers that take out the pitchers, the hit and put just a DH out there all the time. So we have more hits in a game, more home runs, you know, more runs being scored. And it just, it just makes it more interesting. And I think it's a good move because as a person like, like me too, I love baseball. I love baseball. I love coaching. Coaching baseball is probably my favorite thing to do in the world. Out of coaching any sport, and I, I'm a big basketball guy, and I probably know I understand the game of basketball more than any other sport. But baseball is my favorite coach, my, my favorite sport to coach. But watching it, man, the other thing me and you are different too. You're a big defensive guy. Like I want to see a, a one to zero. I want to see a one to zero game where uh, you know it's almost a shutout. This and that. And I'm just like I want to see like you know, not not I'm not like a, I want like a twelve to ten. Like you know, like I want like a. a in baseball, for I think in baseball it'd be like I want like a, a six to four game or six to five. Like I want to see runs scored, but then also defense had you know comes into play. And I like this. I think it's I think it's a good move for the MLB because I think it's going to make it more interesting. You know, I I I think it is a good move for the MLB. Like I said, you know, old timers like me are, are are going to be you know are I we're gonna we're gonna miss the pitchers having to hit. So old timers like you, let's hold up right there. Old timers. Like <laughs> you're, you're just a young buck who thinks like the old timers. Let, let, let's just clear that fo- clarify that right now. Yeah. He said, I'm a, he said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. So like, I didn't like, you know, when they made it so you couldn't step out of the batter's box and how the, and how they implemented the pitch timer, because I don't like the idea of making them rush through the game, but I understand why it, you know, it keeps the games going and the, the DH makes it a little more exciting. So, you know, like I said, I mean, other than me and a few other baseball watchers, I mean, no one wants to watch the pitcher go out there and then strike out 80% of the time and then the other, and then, you know, 10% of the time pop out and then 10% of the time actually get a hit, you know? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. And here's the thing, a lot of, there's been a lot of MLB stuff where it's been, there were like, MLB has been changing a lot of stuff lately and people just complain about it and this and that. And literally... I've agreed about everything the MLB's done besides the fact, and it hasn't happened yet, if they ever go to, um, you know, virtual umps, like for strikes and balls. They, they, I, already, they, 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 already, they already do in the minor leagues. I know I know they do in the minor leagues, and I feel like they're just slowly trying to prove that it's better. Which, And we talked about this in Super Bowl. I just, Refing and, and umping, it's, it's, it's part of the game. Yeah, there might be a bad strike call or ball call but that's just part of the game that's 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 part of what happens and in my opinion i don't think that should happen like that whole thing where it was last year two years ago that you know they made the whole um uh, shift rule where you can i can't remember what the whole shift rule was about i knew about it at the time where like you almost you almost can't like shift as much as you could like you know four years ago i don't know if you knew this actually the whole shift rule in mlb you know what I'm talking about? I don't know a lot about it, but I mean, I think the shift is one thing that I that I that I don't like to see. Um, I, you know, I I get why teams do it, but like it's just so. I mean, teams have some sort of a shift on for almost every every hitter. It, it's 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 it. Like there's like there's nothing worse than a guy just hitting a rocket to where to what a set what could have been a double turning into a ground ball to the into a ground out to the outfield. Like that is so frustrating to watch. Yeah, no, I'm from what I know is like there's some shift rule where like so like teams couldn't shift at they can still shift but it's not like as bad as 
you know, four years ago where like literally you could put all nine players on one side of the field and like they made some rule or exception where you had to have three they'd have three fielders actually in the dirt and like you had to have a certain amount I don't know what the hell actually the rule actually is, but but and in my opinion, yeah, I I I understand disliking because it takes away a lot of strategy for the game. But as a person who just wants to enjoy watching baseball more, you know, more hits, more runs is more exciting for a guy like me. So that that's the thing. I feel like most of the stuff MLB is trying to do is they're trying to quicken up the game and they're trying to make more interesting by more home runs, more you know, more more home runs, more runs scored. You know, that's what the MLB is trying to do because. MLB games last forever, and they're long, and I feel like shortening them up and making them higher scoring makes it more interesting for the people. And for me, as just a guy who just wants to enjoy watching baseball more, that's kind of what I want. Like I said, it's kind of, kind of weird to say that I love coaching baseball so much that I'm just saying we should change these rules, but the one rule I won't ever agree on is go to virtual umps. I think we might be a year or two away from that, honestly. And honestly, I feel like it's one of those things, kind of like the pass interference rule of the NFL. I feel like they try it one year, and then after that, the thing is that they go to virtual, you still have to have an ump behind home plate, you know, make the call when it... Yeah, it's actually super it. interesting, because I didn't understand how it worked until like a month or two ago when I, when I looked it up. And yeah, a home ump still stands there, and then like a computer says in an earpiece, you know, they wear AirPods that's connected to the system, and then it goes strike, and then, they, you know, they call... I actually watched a video of some of the worst called strikes and balls from the system. And, you know, some of them are bad because, I mean, I mean, even even a computer is going to make mistakes. Um, yeah. But, um, like, the ump can technically overrule the call if it's, like, super bad. Because, I mean, like, sometimes, yeah. like, um, you know, like the machine would call a strike if, like, a ball bounced in front of the plate and then skipped across the strike zone. Yeah. Like in that situation, the ump can call a ball, but I mean, like for the most part, the umps just call whatever the machine tells them to, and only if it's like a, <laughs> egregiously terrible, do they change the call. <clears throat> well, well, we definitely transitioned to uh, virtual umps pretty quickly there, but in general, I love the universal DH. I, I, I don't. Also, I think it makes it a lot simpler going into uh, the World Series rather than you know you play. In one side of the league, a pitcher has to hit, and then you go to the other side of DH. I just think it makes it that much easier that – honestly, I don't think teams complain about this either. I don't think – maybe – I'm sure there's a coach or two or some people out there that complain, but I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that says like, oh, darn, universal DH. Like, we can't throw whatever hitter we want out there to hit. Like, I just don't think that's out there. <clears throat> Like I said, you know, there's probably some definitely old timers in the MLB that are just like, oh man, pitchers should have to pitch because whatever, or you know, pitchers should have to hit, not pitch. But I don't know. I, I love this. And I think it's a great move for the MLB for sure. I would agree. But well, I think that concludes our episode for today. I know we hit a lot of different topics throughout all sports. Uh, but I say thank you guys for listening. Next week, uh, I'm trying to think to you, Jacob. Actually, I, I have to go to regionals one day next week for girls basketball. So it might be another one weeker. Then after that, we might go back to two because next week I'll definitely Tuesday I'll have to go to regional girls basketball. So with my team, so it'll probably be another 
one week next week and then we'll probably I, I assume maybe go back to two once I'm done coaching and all that stuff. Yeah, works for me. Like I said, do a two one where we'll probably do shorter, quicker episodes for you guys. It's probably more fun to listen to one. We don't talk for fifty minutes, but I said thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week.